Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. Uh, This week we're starting a new collection of talks. Really believe that it's actually, it will build your faith, that it will help you uh, advance into what God has for you and uh, and even take some limitations off. And the new series we're calling it is we are calling it Got Soup. Got Soup. You remember from like the 90s, the the, uh, commercials Got Milk? Yeah, yeah. Got Soup is what we're calling this series. Got Soup. Um, when was the last time you were really hungry? Like I'm talking really hungry. Somebody's saying right now, uh, do we have a granola bar for the one in the back? No. Um, when was the last time you were really hungry? Like when you're hungry, have you ever noticed this? You make rash decisions. Like they don't make sense. Like you're okay with Mick regret, right? Um, like you, um, you maybe, you, you, you look for, okay, I, maybe you do what I do is you suffer from hanger, right? Hanger. Like when you get hungry, you get a little angry. Like Josiah, here's a granola bar, like tone it down. Maybe when you're hungry, have you ever been like incoherent? It's like, you're not even making sense. You need to eat breakfast. But uh, just last, uh, just this week, actually, we were uh, filming Next Steps. We're uh, redoing the course of Next Steps online. Uh, if you're wondering, what's Next Steps? Well, it's actually, if you want to learn about our DNA of Thrive and how you can be a part and, and serve at Thrive, it's Next Steps. So we're actually filming and making new Next Steps. So we were doing that this week. And uh, I had skipped um, breakfast, I'd skipped lunch, and usually that's not a deal. Like, but uh, I, was, I was hungry. And so I'm setting up the gear and I'm starting to get a little twitchy, like just a little bit. And that, we brought food because we we're like, but I'm like, okay, we gotta like get in, get out. We got a window with, you know this, if you have kids and you, there's a babysitter, there is a window. And we're like, okay, we, I, so I'm trying to set the camera up. And there is, we have like these um, like chips, but not chips, like they're like healthy chips. And I like, They look delicious at the time. And so as I'm setting up, because I know how to set it up, Natalie's eating the chip and I hear the crunch and I'm like, because I'm just so hungry. And I'm starting to like get like hangry. I'm so hungry. I'm getting a little bit short. Hopefully you can't tell through the filming, but I'm getting like super short. Like I am so, so hungry. And and, and we brought food, but I wasn't going to eat it because I'm going to get this done. And I was like, so just everything was like irritating to me. And um, I could almost have given anything for food. Like, I'm just, I just want to eat, but I want to get this done. And I was like, I wasn't pleasant. Um, I don't think I was pleasant. As soon as we got to the car, I'm like, you're driving because I need to eat. And I'm like putting all this like healthy chips in and it tasted so good. Like I was, must've been really hungry, but uh, there is an account in the Bible where a man actually was so hungry that he would actually almost give anything. Actually, he did. He gave everything. 
There was a man in, in the Bible who did this. A, a bit of backstory is Isaac and Rebecca, they had twin um, boys. Oh, twins. And uh, at birth, the Bible tells us that the first one, Esau, uh, was firstborn, and he was followed by Jacob, and Jacob held on to his heel. So it's like, oh, you're leaving? I'm leaving too, right? It, he was right behind. And, and when they grew up, the Bible says that Esau, he was a outdoorsman right? Like he was, he was a good hunter. He was, uh, it, it says he was a skillful hunter. And which is very helpful when you don't just have a grocery store that you can go to. Being a good hunter is very good. The Bible describes Jacob as a little bit more mild manner and he liked to stay at home. It actually says that in the Bible. And Isaac, he loved his son Esau. Why? The Bible says that because he made good, like he brought home meat. So, oh, dad, son, I love you. Oh, dad, why do you love me? Well, because you hunted this, son, and you killed it and you brought it home. All right, like, um, so I guess that was their relationship, but uh, he was a hunter. And, uh, and uh, Rebecca, it says he loved uh, Jacob. But in Genesis 25, we see this account. In Genesis 25, verse 29, one day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starving. Give me some of that red stew. Side note, this is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. I guess I would be called Cadbury. Okay, but, um, but he is hungry. You can tell this dude is hungry, right? Because he is dramatic. Like, I am dying. I am so hungry. It, it, it continues on, and it says this in um, verse 21. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Now, this is um, very cunning. I'm not even sure. I think it's greater than sibling rivalry even. Okay, I, you want this stew that I got you? Okay, he says. But what Jacob is asking for is he's not just asking for, okay, I'll give you the stew and um, could I have that collector card that you have or could I have your car? Um, see, what Jacob is, he's not just asking that because he's asking for his birthright. In ancient times, in ancient Hebrew uh, tradition and culture, as a firstborn, it was a big deal. Even if for Esau that he was only moments ahead with, with Jacob on his heels, quite literally, is, uh, is, it was a big deal. When you were the firstborn, you would get an inheritance that was greater than everybody else. You would get two thirds of the inheritance. Okay, this sounds good. I'm a firstborn, bring it on. Um, you get two thirds, so you get a double portion. So all the rest of the siblings can split all the other, but you get two thirds of the inheritance. You would keep the family name and, and when your dad would die, you would be the head of the household. And the father would also uh, speak a blessing over the firstborn and that blessing uh, over the son. And, and it was an empowerment, a blessing and empowerment. Uh, we actually see this when, when God the father actually blessed Jesus, God the son. That when Jesus was baptized, when he went under, he came up. And what happened was a, a blessing was pronounced. Uh, that that uh, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What happened next? He was empowered. The Holy Spirit descended as a dove and empowered him. That was a picture all of, of um, 
the firstborn birthright. So the, first, uh, the birthright of the firstborn is a big deal. It's a big deal. There is a future in being the firstborn. There is a plan. There is a purpose. There's provision. It is like if you're firstborn, your future is secure and bright. And so Jacob is asking for something so unrealistic, so out there. He's asking for essentially Esau's future. He's asking for Esau's future. In Genesis 25, 32, it continues on and he says this. Um, In 32, yes, he says this. But Jacob said, or look, I am dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? He is dramatic. He is, the present need in him for hunger is screaming, it is demanding in him. Because, well, one, he couldn't go to the pantry, couldn't go to get some fast food. But the present need that he was feeling was so demanding that Esau was so focused on this that he actually um, disregarded or looked little or had little value on the future as the firstborn. In verse 33, it says, but Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Oh man, it must have been the, hopefully it was the best lentil stew of his life. But Esau ate the meal and then got up and left. He showed contempt for his birthright as firstborn. So in doing this, Esau, essentially, he traded his future for his present. He traded the future that he had for his present. Um, uh, And what was rightfully his as a firstborn prepared for him, he never walked in. Esau, do you got soup? Yeah, you do. But it was at the cost of his future. Now, this is not just some story um, about some dude who was hungry and he made awful life choices when he was hungry. But actually, I believe it's actually applicable to us today, uh, whether you like lentils or not, right? So whether you like that or not, it is applicable today that I think daily we are offered opportunities for that metaphorical soup. Do you want soup? Got soup? That, 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 that thing that would fulfill the immediate or the present need that you feel, the need that you have, but that it will cost you trading your future. It will fulfill the need of the present, but it will cost you your future. The, the question today is, God soup? What areas are in our life that we are, are currently or maybe willing to trade our future for our present. That felt need that we have now. Uh, the, the, the expen- but at the expense of our future. Maybe it's, uh, it, it could be a variety of things of what you have, what you feel. Okay, I need to fulfill that now, but at the expense of your future. Maybe it's a need for connection. But and, and because you have that felt need right now, you lower your standards and it will be eventually at the expense of your future. Uh, maybe it's starting out with Easter with you have like dad tax for um, Easter candy, right? 
and you just take like, I don't know, a meager 4%, but then it somehow jumps to 5% and you start eating all their candy. Do you follow what I'm saying? And you don't finish. Um, maybe it is that purchase that you need to do, but you can't afford to do, but you need it now. So you buy it now, but it'll affect your future. Maybe um, you go, maybe it's uh, go to the path of least resistance, avoiding that challenging thing now because it's easier. Going to the gym, maybe it's, it's prayer. It's easier if I don't get started now. Maybe having that hard conversation because it's, it's easier, it's better for my, my present not to have that conversation right now. Maybe it's stepping out in faith because it's, it's easier not to, but it's at the expense of your future. I know for me, uh, uh, for physically, for like working out and stuff until recently, that was mine. I was like, it is a lot easier just to stay at home and stream something than to get up and go to the gym. But apparently it was at the cost of my future. Or maybe starting something. It's easier not to. It's easier in the present not to. I think actually discipline brings freedom um, in your future but it is harder in your present. Discipline today, doing what's harder today, it brings freedom in your future, but it's harder right now. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, I think there, that we all have areas of our life that we are willing to or are tested to trading our future for our present, for, uh, fulfilling that felt need. But I don't think it's like we go out and like, okay, what am I going to do today? I'm going to trade my future for today. Let's burn up my future. I actually think it's something similar to Esau. In Genesis 25, verse 29, one day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry, exhausted and tired. I think oftentimes when we are weary, when we are worn out, when we are tired emotionally, physically, spiritually, maybe even relationally, we, we, we tend to trade in our future for our present or settle for the now rather than the future. Because most of the times, I think you and I, we know what we should do, right? Okay, I should, you know, pray. I should, you know, do this. That's healthy for me. I, you know, I should do this. You know, when Esau came back and he was hungry, when he was hungry, he knew what to do. Like, it wasn't probably the first time ever he was hungry. He knew what to do and how to fix that issue. Um, but it would have taken an investment. It would have taken work to do it. Because even if, if Jacob had, uh, you know, the monopoly on lentil soup, um, well, Esau was a great hunter. He could have, he probably had meat. He probably would have had to, to well, kill it, skin it, clean it, cut it up, find wood for a fire, cook it up. And then it would have, it would have well, he would have eaten some, some food. But the process took effort and work. It was easier just to say, nah, got soup? Can I have some soup? You know, I think we know, okay, I, I know that I should step out in faith and follow God's voice in this area. 
I know I should go to the gym and take care of, like the body says that your body is a temple. And if God has a plan for you, well, it's good if you're alive and healthy enough to, to live out that plan. Um, you know, I know I shouldn't give in to that craving. I know, I know I should pray. I know I shouldn't let my thoughts wander in that direction. But it's easier and less work just to stay where I am right now rather than taking that step of faith. It, it's easier to, to just stay comfortable than to um, uh, step out and be uncomfortable in stepping out. It's easier to give in to my immediate cravings than to deny myself. It's easier to do what I feel rather than submitting to say, no, God, not my will, but your will. And I think culture doesn't necessarily help in this area either. That it's a lot about um, now and living for the now, right? Do, do what you feel now, do what feels good now, and if it doesn't, then stop, right? Uh, do what makes you feel happy. Um, but in Genesis uh, 25, uh, uh, we see that when Esau was focused on his present, he gave up his future. When he was so living for the present, he gave up his future. See, I think there's a difference between living in the present, like being present. Like God, he says, I'm doing a new thing now. Like you should be present. You should be present with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, where you, with your work. Like not daydreaming above and not missing out what God is doing now or what God has for you now. But there's a difference between living in the present and living for the present, right? I'm living in and being aware of where I am and being present, but I'm living for the present. See, Esau, because of this, Esau gave up his birthright. He gave that up. Um, and that was what was on the line for him. Got soup, that's what he gave up. It was, it was this birthright. Today, what's on the line for us? I think it is our birthright, if you will, as sons and daughters of God. In Romans 8, 16, it says this, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. See, we are co-heirs with Christ. In other words, what, what is Jesus's, what he's paid for, that is now our portion as sons and daughters of God. And so that is what we have, peace, wholeness, uh, uh, abundance, uh, health, joy, love, rest, God's plan and purpose. See, what's on the line is not your sonship or your daughtership of, it, what's on the line is not salvation. You know, the gifts of God are, are without repentance. It's not salvation that's on the line. What's on the line is, are you living and walking in the fullness that God has for you? You know, I, or will I trade the future that God has for me and the call that God has for me for some soup? Uh, 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 meeting a present need. But just like Esau, it was a real present need. It's not like we just make up things and, okay, that's what I'm going to go. There's real things. But God, he's got good plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, he tells us that I have good plans for you, a hope and a future. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God has got good things prepared for you, good things prepared ahead of time for you. Uh, and often what God has planned and what God has prepared for you, 
often there is sacrifice in it, sacrificing in the present to walk in what God has for the future. There's often denying myself, not my way, God, right here, not what I want to do right now here, God, but what you say or what your way is. Often, uh, it's also, it, it involves discipline. Like Jesus, he said, follow me. Uh, follow me and be my disciple. Disciple really means disciplined one. A disciple, discipled or disciplined in the ways of Christ. Oftentimes, it takes steps of faith. What God is, has for you, it's beyond what you can just do on your own. It, it, it requires you trusting and stepping out on what he says. But it's easier. It's better for the present. When Jesus said to, to Peter, follow me, it would have been easier for him to say, no, no, I'm okay. I got a job. I'm just going to keep folding these nets, right? I'm just going to go fish. Uh, it would have been easier for, for Abraham when, when God said, hey, leave this place that you know and go to this place that you do not know on my word. It would have been easier for Abraham to say, listen, I, I appreciate that, but everybody I know is here. I'm going to stick with what I know, okay? I'm not going to go into the land that I do not know. That doesn't sound good. Um, you know, I, I know many people in this room even are here today who quite literally did what Abraham did. They left the place that they knew and they came here and, and in Calgary now. And um, it's, it's, it's hard when you go from a place you know and now you're in a new place. It, there is challenges there. But if Abraham got soup, if he got that metaphorical soup, traded the future God had for him, for his present and comfort, he would not be Abraham. He would still, because God changed his name, he would just still be Abram, chilling at his parents' tent, and he would not be the father of many nations. He wouldn't be in the story of Jesus. Peter would be still cleaning nets and fishing and probably getting frustrated that, uh, that many days he caught nothing. You know, um, you know, if he was to eat that metaphorical bowl of soup, he would have missed out on the plan, the purpose that God had for him, playing a big role in God, what God had. He would have missed out on being a part of God's story, being part of what God's plan and purpose is for you. You know, one time, um, this was many years ago, uh, when I was uh, working at my company, we used to do high-rise uh, window cleanings, we'd rappel down from buildings, and it was super fun, but super hard work. And so at the end of the day, I was so hungry. But I was pleasant. Um, but I was so hungry. And this time, I, I knew, like, Natalie was, at the time we lived in, in Cochrane, and that drive felt like forever when I was hungry. And so I decided, okay, I'm just going to, like, get a little something before I go home, and I know we're having dinner together. So I'm just going to go home and get a little, I'm going to get a little something. So I, I, like, on my way, I stopped for, like, a, a two-cheeseburger meal. How did it turn into a meal? And, uh, and then I, you know, I ate that, and there's the magret right away. And then... Um, then I get, I get home and Natalie has like a steak dinner and potatoes and it was like so good. The smell could have like just been good enough and it was double Mick regret. I just traded like a two like cheeseburger-ish things for like this amazing meal that was prepared beforehand. All what I needed to do was just, you know, persevere and have a little bit of patience and then uh, I could have enjoyed that. But 
I think that's also a picture of what oftentimes what we do with God is, okay, I have this need right now. Okay, let me find something that's right now. We'll fill it right now. But yet it's like the Lord has prepared a table before us. And it's only if we walk in the ways that he has that soon that we can sit down and taste and see, like the scripture says, that the Lord is good. That the Lord is good. Because what God has is better that will satisfy you longer. Like another thing with fast food is it'll satisfy you for a while, but have you ever found like, then eventually you're hungry again? And, but, but like with steak, it's like, okay, this is actually mm, satisfying. And it's like, I'm Albertan right now. I'm eating steak. But it's, it's, it's satisfying for the long term. See, we can do these temporary things, but what God has is satisfying for the long term. So throughout the series, this is what we're going to do is we're going to look at areas where we maybe have got soup, where, we, where we're going, where there's the unknown steps of faith, but we're staying in what we know, where, where, we, where God is calling us to a place of maybe being uncomfortable, we stay at a place of comfort, where, we, where we've instead, where God is saying, follow me, Jesus is saying, follow me, follow my ways, but instead we're playing or staying at a place of, no, no, my way, my way. And we're going to look at a few other ways as well. But it's not just going to be areas that we, we can have soup, if you will, or where we sacrifice the present for the future, or the future for the present. But we'll look at what does God say about this? And how can we, in the very realness of feeling those needs, those wants, those hungers in us, that we can actually go about it God's way and that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Like in Hebrews 12:1, it says this, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses uh, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance. See, there's an endurance with the race that God has for you. Uh, that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross. We talked about this last week. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside the throne of God. You know, God has got good plans for you, a hope and future. Things prepared for you that are better than what we can all have a brainstorming session together and that he has a future and good things. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, that you are good, that you are faithful. Father, I thank you that uh, you are just, that you love us so much and that you have a good plan, a purpose, a future for each and every single one of us. And Father, I thank you that you also have a way for us to go about it, that we can say yes to you, yes to your plans, yes to your purposes, and walk in your fullness. So Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. Know God is for you. 
We love you and have a great week.